All right, everyone. We are back with another episode of Namaste Bitches. This is a fresh one. This isn't one that I recorded in New York months ago. I'm finally on track to get these out uh, every two weeks-ish, uh, twice a month. You'll get a new Namaste Bitches twice a month. And thank you, everyone who's listened to them so far. And uh, this one I'm really excited about. We have Juliet Burton. She's a very funny stand-up comedian, actress, writer, performer, presenter uh, here in the UK. You can check out her website, julietburton.co.uk. She's a really amazing woman. Uh, She's very funny. She's very talented in everything she does. She's also very outspoken about her uh, own struggles, I guess, with uh, food addiction and eating disorders as well as um, depression and other mental illnesses. And she last year she had a show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival called Look At Me, received five-star reviews in national press at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, sold out almost every day, and was nominated for a Talk of the Town Award for Cultural Impact, which is uh, pretty cool. No big deal. But um, I'll let us get right into it. So here's Juliet Burton, uh, and thank you for listening. So, uh, Juliet, uh, what's your piece of advice? Go. My piece of advice uh, would probably be be nice. Be nice. That's so simple. Isn't it? It's so easier said than done, though. Um, I think basically it's pretty much what all the major religions in the world boil down to is just those two words, ultimately. Um, and yeah, I was thinking about another piece of advice that's a bit longer, but that's easier to remember. What uh, What is your second piece of advice? Now I'm just curious. Um, probably uh, it's Henry Ford said, um, whether you think you can or you can't, either way you're right. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Whether you can or you can't. Um whether you think you can or you can't, either way you're right. So what does that mean to you exactly? If I believe that something is possible, then it can be possible. So mm-hmm. that also means things like Edinburgh Fringe shows. That, that that kind of idea and that attitude is how I've pretty much got through all my Edinburgh Fringe shows. If you just believe that you can do it, then... I mean, you've got to have you got to back it up with some hard work. It's not just belief. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to do some stuff. Um, but yeah, I kind of... I like the whole... There's a lot of um, things floating around at the moment about it's great to be a dreamer but you've got to be a doer and a thinker as well Mm -hmm. otherwise stuff doesn't get happening yeah doesn't get happening stuff doesn't happen Mm -hmm. and the be nice thing is because um i had a so i had a psychosis when i was um sectioned Mm -hmm. um you know (laughs) let's get right into it (laughs) well i feel like we we know each other yeah yeah. you know about me yes yes so um yeah like i've got a long history of mental health problems was sectioned when i was 17 spent my 18th birthday in hospital and all that crap um but uh yeah when i was in um hospital just to make it more fun i had a psychosis which was like audible and visual hallucinations so seeing mm-hmm. things and he- hearing things that just weren't let's there. back up for a second for yeah. our american listeners can you say what being sectioned is it's been committed to a mental hospital okay so um involuntary um forced um admission mm-hmm. compulsory treatment inpatient treatment um so yeah it wasn't literally men in white coats or any straight jackets it was just just a nice little ambulance rocked on up at my parents farm and did, uh, took me away did your parents call then is that how that works um over here i don't know what it's like in america but over here to be sectioned to be committed you have to have um five people agree that you need to be sectioned so you and you have to be deemed a danger unto yourself or others that's the key phrase so i was a danger unto myself because i was very ill with anorexia at the time and i was being told oh you're gonna die if you don't get help if you don't change what you're doing and i was like yeah that's kind of the point because it was a long suicide basically for me mm-hmm. um and so i sectioned um when my i think my doctor another two doctors and then t- my parents so that's the five people mm-hmm. um all agreed yeah she's a danger unto herself so um and that was the second hospital admission. This is meant to be funny, right? Yeah, for now, it's just meant to be a conversation. Awesome. Um, it is hilarious. Yeah. It's pretty absurd. You do a great job of, of uh, talking about it on stage for your shows, making it accessible and light. Thank you, you make psychosis lighthearted. Awesome. Well, that's 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 the kind of accessible. That, yeah, that's the point of what I'm trying to do is because 
I think that there's so many things in life that people don't talk about. And mm-hmm. if we laugh about them, this is my favorite fact of the year that I learned earlier this year was conversations with laughter last longer. That's a fact, like science. Really? <sighs> yeah. And I like, I like that so much because it means that it gives credence to the fact that I, yeah, and credibility to the fact that that's what I'm trying to do with the shows is, yeah, we've got a serious subject, but if we l- laugh about it, then we're mm. going to talk about it more. And I learned quite early on that if I'm going to talk about my psychosis with my friends, the only way that they'll be able to, yeah, s- sit there and stomach it is if I make them laugh about it. So the hallucinations that I had involved things like God, angels, the devil, aliens. It was like being in doctor who mm. um and yeah it was brilliant um it was awful yeah, i was and gonna say it sounds kind of awesome yeah it was <laughs> it's basically if anyone's taken drugs um it was like the biggest trip i've never taken them because i had this without drugs so yeah maybe best not to do the drugs um it's made me very uncool when i talk about <laughs> drugs for for most of my life i've whenever i smell donuts i think i mix the smell of donuts up with the smell of weed so I just <laughs> bought past Dunkin Donuts I think people are inside getting high which they might be because sugar's pretty uh, yeah. addictive yeah um but yeah I saw when I saw God in inverted commas because that I'm a little bit atheist myself and I've seen God I'm not entirely sure what's going on there but um yeah I I asked God what the meaning of life was and he said to be nice oh cool which I really like because like I could, it could have been like three a trilogy of novels i could have made my um, millions off of but instead i just got two words but it's so simple yeah. it's just that don't be a dick idea really so with getting that lovely piece of advice in the mental in the middle of um a psychosis do you think are you glad you have a psychosis yes yeah i am yeah i i was talking about this with my director recently that i think that I mean, I've I've been writing a lot about that period of time, and it's not fun. It wasn't fun, um, it's but it's important to not forget it because if I forget it, then I might go, end up going back there because that's a part of what I want to do with all the shows as well as not is try to help other people not feel isolated because mm. I remember feeling so lonely back then, and that's I think the biggest danger is to be isolated with these kind of mental health problems or any problem really. Talk talk it out um and yeah it's taken me 13 years to start talking on stage about this mm-hmm. um and i think that now i've realized that actually this is it's given me a reason to live now that that episode was was all brought about because i really didn't want to be alive and i hadn't really found something i wanted to be passionate enough to live for mm-hmm. um or to fight because it's pretty difficult being alive life isn't easy um <laughs> well said <laughs> thanks um and i think that it for me it's kind of illogical to just live because you live like i need to find something to be passionate about and something to make me want to put up that fight yeah. that we all have to every single day and now i've found comedy and that making people laugh about something as dark as like being close to the brink of death and and seeing god and angels and the devil is i did that recently for the first time kind of doing a proper set about it and people loved it and yeah. i was just like oh my god you guys you're so much cooler than i thought anyone could be about this yeah and it was really lovely well i know for me like watching because you do what you call docu-comedies yes explain to the audience what what is a docu-comedy it's a very very intellectual term where you combine <laughs> two words <laughs> documentary and comedy. comedy um so yeah it's basically i do way too much research i, I make life really difficult for myself yeah. by researching a topic um for about a year i interview people so for my next show that I'm researching at the moment, um, researching about psychosis. So I'm interviewing psychiatrists, psychologists, fellow sufferers, so people who've had hallucinations as mm-hmm. well, um, and uh, also faith leaders as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah, oh, very interesting so far. And um, yeah, so then they appear in the show as uh, video projections to basically give me a moment to take take my breath and mm-hmm. <laughs> change scene, but also to add a bit of a like it's not just my voice on stage it's also other people's views which Mm -hmm. i I think it's quite important to me that it's not just me saying this is what i think happened it's actually well here's what other people think yeah um and yeah look at me which is the show that you last saw me do um that one 
is kind of yeah there's lots of film footage of me uh, it's about appearances there's lots of film footage of me in prosthetic makeup um looking very different so being an old lady a man uh, wearing the hijab dressing provocatively like jordan used to uh, so not wearing very much and mm-hmm. also revisiting my obese body because i used to be very very big and um so there's film footage of that but there's also interviews that kind of intersperse with um people with uh, physical disabilities and facial disfigurements and that all sounds it can sound a little bit worthy but then that's the opposite of what i'm trying to do i'm trying to like there's so much humor that people have about these really difficult topics yeah and i think that's important there was an article i read recently yesterday actually that was yesterday i read an article um in it was the guardian commenters free thing and it was by another comedian um called mark and he uh you know mark 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 burrows <laughs> yes i just saw him put something on facebook that he was he, he had an article printed but i haven't gotten a chance to read it yet it's really really awesome and i don't know mark personally but mm. i really loved it. i love that you did actually know who i was talking yeah. about um he he had this lovely phrase in it that was that um he that there was a victory for his sanity in the moment that um he made a joke to his doctor and he said it was a bad joke i can't remember which joke it was but it was um oh no it was the classic it was when they said the doctor in the hospital said um um can you hear this and and to chester's hearing and he goes pardon mm-hmm. <laughs> which in, he said it, so it was a small victory for his sanity not for his comedy career but um i love that because you have to have you have to find the laughter in that darkness because it's just it otherwise it's going to kill you well i mean as you said um before people have a conversation uh with laughter longer what i think is what's really special about what you do is um you do make it accessible like for someone who hasn't uh been sectioned or know a lot of people who have been it's you talk about it on stage in a way that it's like oh, if I have more questions about this, I can ask Juliet and she'll be okay with, you know, answering these questions. And then with your last show, Look at Me, which was a lot about body image, I, I, because you, uh, to me and to all the world, you are a high-functioning, very beautiful, petite woman. (laughs) And I had no idea that you had those issues. And in my head, I'm like, me too. I feel the same way. You know. Awesome. That's, that's what that's what I think is cool about comedy and what you do is you take an issue and then uh, you talk about it and th- when you bring it to light in humor, I think you make other people be okay with talking about their issues as well. Thank I don't. Know, do you find that? Totally. Um. Thank you very much for all the compliments. Feeling like I'm blushing rather a lot. Um. But yeah. No. Um. I found that yeah it always surprises me but i don't know why it surprises me that people do come up to me after the shows or they email me um if they've seen me talk about this stuff and they're like it i think that we're at this point now with especially with mental health problems but i think it's broadening out into other difficult taboo in inverted commas Mm -hmm. um issues um that people want to have the conversation now um we want to be more connected on on a really real level not just on twitter um and i think that people are still a bit afraid of how to ask those questions so we have to be brave enough to start the conversation by saying do you know what i'm going to talk about this mm-hmm. yeah and absolutely if you have any follow-up questions just go ahead and ask me i think um yeah even the recent stuff i've tested out and the recent material about the psychosis i've already had two people email me um who were at the show and this was like the first time and they both said oh i've had similar experiences i'm like oh my god you guys are out there everywhere mm-hmm. we're, we're all the same we, we've all had these weird things that we've kept secret just because we're meant to be normal in inverted commas lots of inverted commas um but yeah we we can just talk about it and why not make people laugh about it? everyone's the same I just feel like Juliet has really said some great stuff so far and just simple advice of be nice or uh, what Henry Ford said, whether you think you can or you can't, either way you're right. Um, I just really appreciate her open honesty about what she's been through. And in this next section, we talk a little more about therapy and different types of therapy like holistic medicine. She says something in this section that I really, really love. I won't give it away yet, uh, but I'll go on and on about it later on. And uh, we talk a little bit about our what it's like performing and having our parents see the work that we do and how that affects us as artists. Um, yeah, so again, thank you so much for listening. This is, I think, 
the fourth episode of Namaste Bitches. And if you like it, maybe tweet about it or maybe go on iTunes and rate it. That would be super helpful. And just kind of get the word out. I know it's a new podcast and we're growing and I'm learning. I've already gotten a complaint that I need to get popper guards for the mics because I don't have those yet. Uh, That will be dealt with. Uh, Thank you for the feedback. And yeah, let's get back into more Juliet Burton. Have you come across people who um, might experience, say, mild depression or like that sort of issue and they're like they don't seek help and help and they're like oh well I can get I'll get through it like I what do you think that's a good way of living or are you like no are you you got to go to a doctor you got to seek help or I would never I would never say I'm not a therapist I'm not a doctor so I can't diagnose what's right for anyone else yeah um but I would always say if you think you might be struggling with something don't struggle alone because if you struggle alone then the likelihood is it's going to get worse Mm -hmm. i know that i'm pretty awful at dealing with stuff alone um but yeah i have i've known people not so much people who come to see the shows but people in my um personal kind of friendship group and family that have they've they've struggled with stuff and Mm -hmm. it's if they've dealt with it or tried to deal with it alone then it just lasts lasts longer and and they don't have to go through it like that i'd I'd say talking therapies are great um there's loads of different types of therapy out there that um, that's the other thing I think I wish I'd learned sooner quicker when I was younger when I was first put into therapy um, that was when I was like 14 15 um, and at that time I remember not getting on with my therapists or not getting on with what they were suggesting I do or the drugs that I was put on back then mm-hmm. not the fun kind the <laughs> Prozac and stuff um, and I remember not I was remember thinking that, oh they must know what's best for me but not getting on well with all of that and nowadays I'd say you can be a lot pickier and choosier if you're not if you don't get on with your therapist or you don't get on with what they're suggesting that you do ask for somebody else and just see you've got to have a really good relationship with whoever you're turning to for help have you ever tried alternative forms of therapy like more than just talking therapy yeah um I've done hypnotherapy quite a few times Mm -hmm. um done uh acupuncture um not myself not on myself that sounds like I know what I'm doing I don't (laughs) don't stick pins into yourself um um, that's a good bit of advice as well can I add that to my advice list don't stick pins in yourself um uh yeah acupuncture um reflexology um kind of lots of holistic therapies I've tried um uh what's the like the pills with the the tiny little pills um homeopathy okay um and yeah there's I think they're all they were all really interesting experiences um did you find some of them super helpful or not helpful like for a yoga instructor, I'm quite uh, skeptical of um, like acupuncture and stuff like that. Uh, things like massage, I understand because those like physically change your the condition of your muscle. But stuff like acupuncture, I'm like, mm, I don't know about this. I'll kind of just join you in on the the love for the massage because yeah. that's I oh, freaking love massages. I, I really want to go for one. I just ran oh. the uh, Brighton half. Congratulations, by the way. No big deal. Um, yeah, I ran that on Sunday, and I feel better today, but I'm like, I, I really want to go for a massage. Do you know, I remember the first time I got a proper holistic full body massage and it was in one of the treatment centers I was in and um I'd gone I had been thanks to my fabulous relationship with um eating disorders I was went went from a size four to a size 20 so an American size zero to a size 16 is that right I think um yeah it sounds about right 16 or 18 pretty teeny tiny skeletal to pretty pretty obese um and it was it was within like six months it was very unhealthy experience but in this body that was like brand new and I really hated it and didn't like it because I I, and being size 20 is awesome if you own it and you enjoy it and you like your body at that size but I was just like freaking out Mm. um and I had this massage therapy and it was the first time anyone had touched my body not in that way um but in a long while and um I remember just having this epiphany of oh my god my body is not something that to hate it's something that can be looked after and cared for and Mm -hmm. um and the aromatherapy I think can work your way into the nervous system which Mm -hmm. I find really beneficial because to be honest perfume alone is just awesome anyway yeah. um so yeah there's nothing I can't I can't get addicted to perfume which is awesome uh I keep saying awesome a lot because things are awesome when I'm around you Stop. <laughs> um, with acupuncture though to get back to the question you're asking um I I personally I don't 
I would again I, w- I didn't see any massive miraculous change but the time that I did find it help most helpful was when I was just having um quite acute back pain in the run-up to the Edinburgh Fringe last year because mm-hmm. you know we put ourselves through hell in the run-up to the Edinburgh Fringe um and yeah I just got this kind of pain that wasn't going away in my shoulders and my neck and um the acupuncture because the massages weren't really changing things um but the acupuncture that I had kind of shifted something mm-hmm. um but I think that was more of a physical thing rather than a mental thing mm-hmm. so yeah uh have have you done any of that sort of therapy to help your mental well-being or just physical for acupuncture um I have had it to help my mental well-being as well but I personally didn't see maybe it wasn't in the right space and frame of mind to yeah. allow it to help me I'm not entirely sure but um I've had this, there's other things that I think I've had that have helped I could I think generally mindfulness and like meditation each day mm. is really helpful do you meditate each day I used to and this is something that's coming up quite a lot at the moment it's really I think it's the universe telling me that I need to maybe turn my attention back to it um a good friend of mine is a Buddhist and he's been on at me to get to the meditation center again I used to every day and I it helped me handle life a lot better mm-hmm. um, and it's just a general practice I think that the whole be nice thing as well and being nice to yourself reinforcing your self-esteem it's a practice being positive or being an optimist is a practice oh wow I like that a lot yeah being positive it is a practice isn't it I think so because yeah it uh, what what uh, this is this is why I love talking to you <laughs> I think it is it's like you have a choice each day like I can wake up and I can choose recovery I can choose positivity mm-hmm. sometimes that might seem saccharine to some people but it's not if it's sincere I think it makes it sound more attainable than when people are like just be positive and it's like I it's you're right it's it is a practice you don't just turn it on you just no. don't wake up and be like and I'm fine now it's like if somebody is like inanely like naively just walking around going oh everything's fine everything's great I don't like people like that that's not who I am I've got a dark edge I I don't know everything's going to be okay but I do know that positive attitude is something I can use it's a tool in my toolbox to mean that I can get through life a little bit better Mm -hmm. um, or a little bit more easily and yeah you can help bring that out in other people as well I think Um, either you can practice what you preach and yeah you can you can choose different things it's like focusing on the positive things in your life as well like yeah everything's just awesome yeah yeah does uh just going back to and i think comedians get this question all the time but with your last show look at me how was that difficult for your family to as you talked about it and relived it not that your family wasn't super present in that show but i just know that had to be yeah a difficult time in all your lives uh, my family, uh, my mum's seen that show, but my sister and my dad haven't seen it. Okay. So my dad, they're, they're not very, they don't really go to the theatre and they don't really do comedy. Um, okay. But that means it's this, this whole world is mine, which is fun. Yeah, that's nice. They're, um, I grew up on a farm and they live in the middle of nowhere and they don't really, um, they're lovely, lovely people and they're awesome. Um, but they're, yeah, just very different uh, to me. And um, yeah, I think my mum... I was a bit worried. She she only came to see Look at Me in like after the Edinburgh Fringe, mm-hmm. and she I was kind of warned her. I said, "Are you okay? Like, do you know you know what I'm going to be talking about in this? Like that I got sectioned in that. How my, long were you sectioned for? Um, th- three months. It's the August the fifth to uh, November the sixth. Was that admittance? Yeah. That three months? Uh, August to September. No, yeah, it's it. Cool, Something yeah. Like that. that was that was the period that I was um yeah, in there compulsory. And it was yeah, it was horrible for my mum at that time and I'm realising now as I'm getting older how hard that must have been for her back then. Because mm-hmm. um, at the time I remember that a lot of people were just giving up on having any belief in me. Um because I'm just, just turning my back on positivity, turning my back on wanting to live. I just was committed to killing myself basically. Mm-hmm. And um my <laughs> committed um <laughs> and my my mum was the one person who's never ever lost faith in me um I think my my sister and my dad are awesome awesome people but I think they were they struggled in their own ways with that and um yeah mum came to see the show and she was apparently laughing a lot like a oh, lot good. a lot um which was lovely um and the, it's one of those weird you know when you have your mum or your dad in the audience and you're saying a joke that you've said so many times before 
and then you suddenly it dawns on you that your mother is sitting in the room um oh yeah yeah <laughs> it's just crazy it's just like that i'm so sorry mum. and you just go bright red and then the whole room erupts with laughter because they're with that with you in that moment which is just awesome yeah it, yeah oh <laughs> i think that's great that uh yeah no my mom came this last show that i did uh, was very much about my childhood and my family and there's yeah my my mom f- came to Edinburgh to see it from Kentucky and I was just like there's some of it that I was like I really hope she's okay with it and it, it wasn't anything like super dark or but like I talked about her brother a little bit and I was like I never asked if I was allowed to talk about my uncle Billy on stage I don't know if this is okay and afterwards I talked about my uncle Billy and my uncle Clint and my mom was like I think you showed both those in two people in a wonderful light and I was like oh good because I wasn't so nice. sure yeah 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 I, I, I saw your show up in Edinburgh absolutely loved it absolutely oh, it was you. so awesome it was I was it was one of those shows where because if you're seeing a friend do their show it's always difficult because you're like I really really want to want to like it but I'm not I'm really bad at lying I'm really bad at pretending <laughs> to like something when yeah. I didn't really like it yours I was actually sitting there like doubled up with laughter it was just it was I remember having a belly ache afterwards, which was just awesome. Yay! Yeah, it's just it was it was so cool, and it was so rude and lovely, and like rude in the loveliest sense of the word, like oh, just thank you. like rolling around in the rudeness of it. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was it was awesome, and and I'm, I think it's lovely that your mum came over to Edinburgh. How did she find Edinburgh? Was it? She had been once before. She had been once before when I was on the Free Fringe, so it was kind of cool to have her come over now that I'm in. Uh, performing in the Gilded Balloon and yeah. uh, all that stuff. Uh, she really likes it. She, My parents always took me to theater and plays and stuff when I was a kid, so she's she's up for it. And um, she came to see it every night. Wow. Because sometimes I was like, you can go see something else. And she's like, nope, I'll see you again. That's so, so yeah. lovely. You had a little cheerleader every day. Yeah, and my sister was over too, which was helpful because on times when I was like, I have to go have a meeting or I have four shows today, they could run around and see stuff together so that's yeah that's really cool and so. did, did they kind of manage the the fringe madness of all the people in the crowds and everything? yeah yeah they're fine with it how, uh, how old is your mom do you want me asking? uh she just turned 60 last year mm-hmm. my siblings had a surprise birthday party for her which i could not go to because Aww. i was prepping edinburgh i just moved here they're like they're like we're having it a week before august so you can come and i was like i'm moving yeah three days before that and they're like oh so that was hard that must have been hard but uh but like in july uh, the whole month of july for me is just it's a no-go zone yeah i'm gonna be performing or i'm gonna be <laughs> needing some very well uh, earned rest i need to rest before edinburgh yeah how do you take care of yourself during during high stress situations like edinburgh and uh every day <laughs> <laughs> um taking care of myself in edinburgh uh, that's a good question um i i could do more of that i think um for edinburgh especially if it's a new show because that's even that's higher stress than just performing every day is 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 taxing on the body anyway mm-hmm. um and flyering like i love getting out there flyering for two hours beforehand because every day it forces you to remember what it is you're trying to sell to people and, mm-hmm. and why it is you want them to come and see it so it reaffirms your passion about your show i feel again it's a practice mm-hmm. um but yeah i think um on top of that if you've got a new show where you're stressing about oh my god what if people don't like it what if the reviewers say what the reviewers say and i'm trying to practice the idea that the reviews i have to let go of the you can't control reviews and you just i didn't read anything less than four stars this year how did you find that did you uh great i've i've i skimmed over them all recently because i was looking for little poll quotes yeah for this year's poster um and it's fine. I was talking to uh, some f- comedian friends the other day, and I was like, I like getting good reviews. I hate getting bad reviews. But at the end of the day, no one's ever reviewed me, and then I've turned around and changed the way I've done comedy. Yeah, uh, That's not how I read reviews. I know some people take them to heart and like really yeah. restructure what they're doing, but for me, it's always just been one person's opinion yeah i think that's that's a really healthy attitude to have for, for me i kind of easier said than done <laughs> that being said i didn't read the two-star review but i was upset that i got it i can yeah totally totally understand that um i i find that if i'm i like i like reading every review because i used to be a journalist and i used to review stuff and mm-hmm. um and i i know 
and we all say it, it is one person's opinion and that person just happens to have the role of voicing their opinion in a set word count and they also have to pretty quickly tick whether they want to give it one two three four or five stars mm-hmm. um it's awesome when you get the five star reviews like i, I remember my first one and um looking back like <laughs> i was just overjoyed it was the first time i'd ever had a five star and and every single one since has been awesome as well and even like four star reviews are amazing but the three two and one they i like reading them i like reading them and finding here it's so hard to but the, the idea that i like trying to find within them is is there stuff in here that's useful for me can i take anything away from mm. this that not to change the whole show because i'm doing what i believe in but that for example quite a few times the reviewer quite a few reviewers have said that i'm very very optimistic and that might not be to everyone's taste and it's like well like with the positivity thing i'm not gonna that's not something i want to change i want to keep the optimism it's just all all it's done for me is that that kind of view has invited me to become more more dark like reveal my darker self within the optimism because i'm always going to be an optimist Mm -hmm. because otherwise pessimism is just dull yeah it's miserable (laughs) um i don't want to spread that if you have the opportunity to stand on stage and and make people feel happy then you why not be an optimist yeah um so yeah uh that's just it meant that in increasingly i think in the next show and the future shows i'm going to be able to be more real about who i am mm-hmm. um, as well as keep that optimism in there so yeah i love that i love the idea that being positive is a practice because you always hear be positive and it's hard to be positive and when you think about it as it's something you work for and you practice towards it just makes the whole thing seem a lot more attainable and just i like it being positive is a practice um i as i sit here and edit this podcast right now i've already decided i hate the music i'm getting it off of garage band uh that's where i'm finding the underlays and i like the idea of underlaying music but this i don't think is the right thing so If you have any suggestions on music for the show, or if you wanted to write music for the show, I don't know, uh, if you have a lot of time on your hands, listeners, uh, maybe you could tweet at me, at Abigailia, A-B-I-G-O-L-I-A-H, and throw me some suggestions, because, you know, uh, you guys are the ones with this in your ears, so let's try to make it as pleasant for you as possible. All right, let's get back to Juliet Burton. This next section took a turn that I did not know it would take because Juliet and I both talked about uh, what it would be like uh, having kids because we're both at an age where our friends are doing so. And we talked about whether we're ready and the social pressures uh, of having children as a woman, which is um, not what I thought we would talk about, but I think it's pretty interesting chat. So back to the podcast. so awesome to be here by the way oh. i haven't seen you since like september i, I know it's I, been a long time yeah and like during the edinburgh fringe you never really get to hang out with people that no. much because you're just all stressed by the way my original question was uh how do you take oh, care, of yourself? take care and of then myself. and then and then we got talking about reviews because we were talking about edinburgh yeah but yeah how do you take care of your or just in like what are things that you do in your life to make you feel better to keep that positive practice going on to be nice what what are what are things that you what do I do okay um well at Edinburgh I definitely prioritize sleep I'm Mm -hmm. I'm not rightly or wrongly um I'm not like one of those people who go out goes out partying every night um because you get to party during the day in Edinburgh so why not um but yeah during like life in general I I would love to say that I prioritize sleep I I've steered towards workaholism a little bit recently and i need to watch that um and i've also lost sight of taking time out to relax because Mm. i find that like to relax for me i like doing something relaxing like i like reading a book i can't just sit on my ass and do nothing Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think drinking lots of water is and i so 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 trite but it is really it calms my anxiety down as well yeah um meditation i'm gonna do more of because i think the universe is telling me to do more of um and this is gonna sound quite strange but um paying attention to the the way i talk to myself 
and the way I talk about myself to myself like that's that it's it's yeah it's that's why meditation is helpful is you can observe your thoughts more um yeah more uh clearly and I'm increasingly aware as I get older how um rude I am to myself and I need to be very careful of that and stop it at a certain point um what, how, rude how what do you well you know the negative self-talk I I don't I've now made it a bit of a rule this is in the recent months actually that I I won't stand for negative self-talk I don't like if I'm if you suddenly went uh, if I said oh you're looking so hot today and you went thanks I'm feeling awful I would just go no I hate it when people do that I also hate it when you sit down to eat a nice meal with someone and then they tell you everything they ate for a week just to find have you ever have you ever do that you as new york it happens all the time god like if you go out for a meal with someone and say you're going out for steaks and they'll be like okay so like i i I can totally have this though because all i had today was like an orange and at lunch i had um i had a sandwich but i didn't eat the bread so you know what i mean like that sort of yeah i i can't i can't be done with that um yeah there are a couple of people i know who I've kind of just gone I can't I'm sorry but I can't as self-preservation self-care you're going to bring out the, the worst in me the, the illness in me mm-hmm. if I hang out with you if you and I can only surround myself now with really positive awesome people who who celebrate my success and I celebrate their successes nobody who resents I don't I don't have time for that at the moment I think that's that's so weird that you brought that up because I've, I was literally thinking about that the other day of how it's like I think I'm done hanging out with people who are like you look great and they're like no I don't it's like yeah, yeah. I, I I feel like because there's it's like a little black hole or a little um little whirlpool of negative energy that you can get sucked into mm-hmm. and right now I feel like the world is full of possibilities. It's the optimist again, but it is. It's like anything can happen in my life right now, and mm-hmm. and I could make the most of all the opportunities that are in front of me, or I could get sucked into that little whirlpool of negative energy, and mm-hmm. I'm not. I don't want to choose that, and I don't want to be around people who bring that out in me when you're around someone who has that sort of negative energy going on do you just walk away do you do you <laughs> say something to them like how do you handle that situation I just in my head I had the lovely little image of just like hand to the face and just walking <laughs> the opposite direction I, I can't do that I'm not I'm not quite ballsy enough to do that yet I think um I what do I do I, I think recently that, um I've kind of tried to calmly tell them that I feel like I can't be around them for these reasons mm-hmm. um which I hope is said in a loving way and with giving them kind of inviting them to have the opportunity to look at their behavior because they're not basically it's not they're not doing it to me they're doing it to themselves mm-hmm. and they don't have to that's a choice they're making yeah because I used to be that person I used to be the oh god I'm awful I'm awful oh I'm awful I'm, I can't do anything I'm terrible and that voice is still inside of me and it's a practice to choose a different choice choose mm-hmm. a different voice and be somebody that i would want to be around um but i think it is really difficult because there's because quite often it's not it's not that they're it's they're lovely lovely people but they are just sucked in their own little whirlpool and they're they're feeding that energy and generating more of it and mm-hmm. dragging themselves further and further down um but you can't be responsible i can't be responsible for anyone else or, or their behavior so I've, I used to have those kind of relationships where you you do everything you can to force them to be who you want them to be. But do you know what? Maybe they're just in a phase of their life right now that they have to be in that whirlpool, mm-hmm. and that's going to be okay because they'll do it for a lot as long as they can stand the pain of it. Um, I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. Does that sound healthy or does that sound a bit like I'm callous? <laughs> I don't think it sounds callous because I think you're right. Well, um, as th- as they say put your own oxygen mask on first and then help the person next to you you know like you can't you can't help people unless they want to be helped and you have to make sure that you're okay before you can i'm a big believer in the whole like um the the i'm gonna paraphrase this yeah um that the teacher the teacher will reveal themselves when the pupil is ready Mm -hmm. that you've got these lessons around you in life that you'll you'll keep repeating the same mistakes again and again until you're ready to learn that lesson Mm -hmm. and it's not like that they're it's it's not like that then these lessons aren't there already around you it's just that you're not ready to listen to them yet Mm -hmm. um so at the moment there's lots of there's lots of things coming up for me at the moment about 
the choice to have a baby and when to have a baby oh wow and i'm just that's i'm pretty sure that's always been there like there's probably been articles floating around about that for ages but all of a sudden i'm paying attention to them and i'm reading them and i'm doing i'm looking at the statistics about when when is the best time to have a baby because i'm not entirely do, sure do you want to have a baby i feel like that we just talked about your the section <laughs> in your your uh mental illness and now i'm like is it too personal to ask her if she wants a baby <laughs> um, um, no not at all it's absolutely fine to ask no yeah. I, that's, I think we need to talk about this stuff yeah today. i i'm this is kind of why i'm not sure is i don't know I, it hasn't kicked in for me yet it hasn't like i love kids i've got four nephews and i adore them and yeah. i walk past cute babies and i go oh that's adorable but that's like walking past an expensive pair of shoes and mm-hmm. saying oh that's that's a really pretty pair of shoes i'm not going to go buy them yeah i'm not going to wear them every day for the rest of my life and they're not going to be dependent on me like i've i'm i think because a lot of my friends are starting to have children at the moment mm. and i feel like i've only just found the career that i adore and that i'm starting to know how to do it yeah um and i want to commit myself to that more than anything else um and i've started reading articles i think there's more i think there are more in like women's magazines about um not that i i don't read magazines anymore uh beauty <laughs> magazines but online you know the articles about yeah. um famous women who've chosen not to have children and like sarah silverman had a phrase that i like which is about um i only want to have children when i want nothing else more and mm. i think that's really for me that's what i feel like i, I can't have a child and then resent it you know i yeah I can't I don't want to do that I would I'd love it so much that to resent it and cause it cause it psychological damage would would just be the worst case scenario so I don't know I feel the same way like especially for uh, a role model as a mother all my mother wanted to be was a mother yeah and um and she was a housewife and I feel like sometimes career women like us (laughs) will be like ugh who wants to be a housewife i'm like i know someone who did and excelled at it and that's what she wanted to do and she she's excellent but because i watched that's what she wanted to do and she did it and she did it well and she did it to the best of her ability i'm like i don't have that same commitment right now as you said yeah to it's like i could have kids but then i i couldn't live in this apartment anymore <laughs> or yeah completely i, I My- couldn't or you can go to edinburgh i'm not saying you can't but like do, do, is it in the budget to hire flyers and a nanny yeah. for Edinburgh? Like <laughs> combine the two. Yeah, <laughs> have your children do your flyering for you. Um, yeah, no, I completely. I'm the same. I'm like, because I see so many amazing mothers. My sister's got four children. Like, there, she's amazing how she looked after every single one of them, and they've all. They're, none of them have died. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that that's a failure <laughs> as a mother either, but like, you know, they just strap some pillows onto them and let them fall over. I don't know, but they, <laughs> but they've all made it through. I think you're ready to be a mom. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you have to do: just fill up the fridge occasionally, let them fend for themselves. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they. My sister, from as early as I can remember, she used to f- make me and her you'd have like ceremonies marriage ceremonies with our teddy bears and mm-hmm. she just wants to get married and have children she's also had uh, she's got a great career now as a teaching assistant and she loves doing that she's um, got a lovely husband who's um, really fantastic farmer my nephews are all brilliant but i could not do that right now and mm-hmm. i i i still have this little thing that i can barely look after myself how could i possibly take care of something as much as i'd probably adore it and it is one of the most profound loves that you can possibly have but i've also i'm starting to really enjoy the friendship loves that i've got in my life now i'm still able to hang out and yeah go traveling if i wanted to and say yes to tour opportunities and i i couldn't right now i i don't think i'd be able to give a child the kind of life that i'd want to give it mm-hmm. even not even a child a puppy i'd love a puppy mm-hmm. i'd love dogs are so cute but i couldn't possibly give it the lifestyle that it would deserve yeah i feel the same way about house plants <laughs> yeah. i'm ser- i'm dead serious the totally. other day i was like i think i'm gonna but bu- i can't buy a plant i'm going on tour for 10 days what would i do Completely. with yeah <laughs> i can cut flowers i love I, I love flowers yeah i was a farm girl had a huge garden that my mother sp- still spends ages doing the gardening every day and i'm like oh god i'd love to be green thinkered and i'm thinking actually would i want to be green no i wouldn't because i'd have to daily a practice again yeah i i've got enough in my life that i have to practice every day to get better at and i'm i'm not sure that i can gardening looks like an amazing thing but and, and it calms people and it's a wonderful place to be but i'm not there yet Mm -hmm. i've I've got to 
I've got to get all this other stuff out of my system first. Yeah. Um, or maybe it's just that I'm that's what I'm destined to do for the rest of my life. Maybe it's not a phase. Maybe it's just a this is me and that's and I think this is I think maybe it's because it's a hangover from sexism it's not I mean it's a great choice to make if you really want to be a mum and you really want to go for it that's awesome and that is your choice but is it a sexist hangover or to kind of have this slight pressure on women that we have to have children to have meaningful life yeah well that's a good point because in my head with the way I perceive having children um I don't know if it's sexist of me. Whenever I imagine it, I forget that my partner would also be there to help. Yeah. You know what I mean? I picture, I I always picture myself doing everything and trying to have my career. It's like, oh no, there would be, I, I ideally in my mind, yeah, for me, there would be someone else helping me raise kids. And it's like, oh, like, like you could do that like you could have a a dad who's who stays with them at night while you go out and gig like that's that's a possibility just because that's not how your parents did it doesn't mean you can't do it that way see when I think of that because I do occasionally have a little like okay what would that be like Mm -hmm. project myself into the future which projection's not a good thing to do because that again can just waste time and energy oh really (laughs) I've always heard like project project your most successful oh like future. a vision like a vision board um like because like a vision like i have a vision board and okay. i totally um believe in that like the focus on what you want in the future mm-hmm. i do agree with that but not projecting like oh the worst case scenario is going to happen because oh, okay you know yeah I mean? yeah yeah um but what i yeah i kind of imagine right say i've got this lovely man say mm-hmm. say he is somebody who likes being a dad and say we have a little baby and the dad can look after the baby and I'll go off and and be the main breadwinner and isn't that an awesome choice for us to make and then there's a part of me that's like no I would want to be there with the child Mm. and I couldn't possibly juggle everything right now and I look at these women who do and they are heroes I don't know how they manage it because I couldn't do it yeah so yeah I I wonder do you do you think that you have you made that choice? Have you made a decision yet? Or are you still in the process of weighing up the options? I mean, oh, I've definitely not made a choice. I, I don't have a significant other to have these conversations with. Yeah. I, I mean, no, I am dating someone. No big deal. But uh, <laughs> uh, but still very new. Still very new. We haven't so, discussed children. Yeah, uh, not, not yet on the first date kind yeah, of going, oh, so yeah, um, I'm, yeah. I want to have babies now. Yeah, so, um, but, but there are people out there who do know that they want kids and like do put that out there right away when they start seeing someone and for me it is it is more like I'm I've just immigrated to London to London to the UK <laughs> into the city of London that it's just there's so much on the checklist above have a baby yeah you know be on TV why not <laughs> yeah. why the hell yeah not? that that's a little higher up on the list so um, I'm not saying I never want a kid, but I definitely, I know I don't want one now. Mm-hmm. If someone was like, you have, uh, you have, and you know, they always talk about the biological clock. If they were like, you have exactly this year to conceive a child. And if you don't do it now, you will never have a baby. I, I genuinely think I'd be like, I guess I'm never going to have a baby then. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I, um, I had a, an anxiety dream recently after one of my, one of my best friends, uh, she was like, right. Um, my five-year plan at the end of my fight of this five years i'm gonna start having babies mm-hmm. i was like oh my god she's that's she's somebody who plans i can't i barely plan a day like i, I can't I, have a five-year plan i live hour to hour most of the time yeah. just kind of yeah I'm, I'm probably gonna see abigail today you know if something comes up if she can't make it if i can't make it it'll be okay yeah it's all right um but she's like somebody who plans meticulously and I had this anxiety dream the day after she was she told me this because she's one of somebody I look up to a lot and I was like should I be having a baby or and my anxiety dream of, was me being pregnant and it was like I had a proper big pregnancy belly and in the dream instead of being overjoyed and all motherly and maternal and I was thinking this is the worst thing I cannot this is like a life sentence I love the idea, by the way. I've just it's just occurred to me that my future child might listen back to this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> like, mom, you didn't want to have a baby. Well, if, if if push comes to shove, we can always delete it from the internet. <laughs> if you're like, listen, we we got to take this down. Oh here. hell no! This has got to be one of its birthday presents. Okay, so. there we go. <laughs> Cheapskate. <laughs> um, but yeah, in the dream, I, I remember waking up the next morning and being like, oh, thank God, I'm not pregnant. Thanks, brain, for sorting that out. That kind of whole conundrum of should I have a child or not? No, 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 I shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. 
You know, it's a shame because after this, Juliet and I went out for a uh, glass of wine and talked more and just continued this whole conversation. And we probably should have just kept recording because she has so many good things to say. Uh, I'll tell you one thing I've been doing lately uh, to try to make myself more proactive in my life, which is a pretty simple checklist. I've been making checklists of no more than five things to do a day, but I'm not allowed to go to bed until those five things are done. That being said, finishing this podcast was today's, and it's 12.30 in the morning, and uh, it counts as finishing as today, even though I was supposed to finish it tomorrow, and now it's today. I'm tired, but uh, that that's what I recommend. Uh, if you're someone like me who has trouble getting things done, checklists, they're so easy. I'll make one for tomorrow as soon as I'm done with this. Next up, Juliet, talk about some of the programs that she is a spokesperson for and uh, or an ambassador of, which is quite a lot. She does a lot for charity, which I think is totally cool. I'll let her tell you the details of all of them, but I just want to go over them real quick in case you want to write these down. They are uh, the Be Real campaign. The Mind Campaign, BEAT, B-E-A-T, Girl Guiding in the Great Initiative. So let's listen to Juliet talk a little bit about that. You you talked about having anxiety dreams and stuff. You've you've dealt a lot with uh, eating disorders and uh, mental illness in your past, but is that still something you struggle with? Because... Again, on the outside, because you are positive and you are proactive in your career, everything looks fine. Oh, awesome. I'm so glad that that's how it appears. <laughs> it, it, it is fine. And I'm faking it. <laughs> no, it, on, on, on many levels, it is awesome. And I have to take, like, gratitude is something that's a really good, like, I'm so, in the worst days, if I count, if I really am struggling, if I count 10 things I'm grateful for, on my hand I force myself to sit there and even if it is just I've got a roof over my head I've got clothes on my back I'm not dead you know count like really anything I've got a bottle of water you know Mm. those those are amazing things to be grateful for um so yeah what back to the question keep avoiding asking the question um yeah I do still deal with mental health problems every day I deal with them in a different way because I'm now putting up the fight against them like like a when I when I had all this drama of being sectioned and stuff, that was when I just wanted to let go and and lose myself within my illness, mm-hmm. and I did. Um, I've now found a part of who I am. I'm about to say I've found myself, but I haven't. That doesn't. That's a bit too um, uber beautiful and poetic. But I've I'm in the process of finding out who I am and discovering who I am. Um, so I want to put up the fight because I'm having a lot of fun now and doing the shows as a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I do. I have regular episodes of um, depression, um, and I have different uh, different episodes of anxiety. Um, I kind of live with anxiety pretty much every day. And um, what I mean by that is that there's there's severe levels of anxiety, and then there's um, sort of manageable levels of anxiety. So coming to see you today, I had to go get on a bus that I didn't know the route of, and I didn't know the area that I was coming to. Mm-hmm. And a few years ago, I probably have freaked out in my head so much about that that I wouldn't have come here Mm -hmm. um now what I did was I walked from my train that I'm familiar with uh to the new bus stop to find the new bus with a friend and that calmed me down Mm -hmm. so for that episode that kind of um walk that friend is becomes my carer in a way but also a friend Mm -hmm. um so yeah and then with my eating disorders yeah every meal is is difficult still um and some days are worse than others i've still got the hangover of the anorexia in my head of knowing the calorie count of everything and um and it's very tempting to stick like steer towards that on certain days because it's a very tempting idea that the solution to all my problems is in cutting back what i eat and losing weight it isn't i've done the research um it's that i've got to have a life that i love um and then also yeah there's it's uh, other days i struggle with the compulsive overeating and the bulimia i really want to turn towards those behaviors and those ways of thinking um but that's why the whole being positive watching being mindful and watching my own thoughts observing the way that i'm thinking is vital because 
and I have to talk about it openly I've got to be more honest with people mm-hmm. um about and about what it is that I'm actually struggling with on each day um and I like listening to other people that's something that I loved learning was that if I like it when other people talk to me about their their problems because it gets me out of my own arse mm. um so I love hearing from people on Twitter or on um, or on email or Facebook saying that they what I talk about resonates with them because then I feel like I'm not the only one as well. So mm-hmm. it's really really awesome. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about the um, Be Real campaign. Oh, Be Real's awesome. Um, so Be Real is a campaign that um, is basically a group of organisations, like big organisations. Like you are a spokesperson for them. Right? I am. Yeah. I'm, I'm a spokesperson for them. I'm also an ambassador for a couple of different charities as well, which is awesome. Um, love doing that. That's awesome mm. when you get to a set stage with, like people think that people want to hear what you have to say, which is great. Um, and yeah, so the Be Real campaign is um, a campaign trying to change very practically change um some different policies um partly in government partly in advertising um to place health above appearance so they want to change advertising regulations so that um adverts don't project this idea of the impossible beauty that is completely unattainable Mm -hmm. and completely unhealthy they want to increase um school education around health and how and nutrition and how to look after your body rather than how to look good mm-hmm. um and they want to increase information made in, uh, available in uh, on the nhs for again how to look after your body so nutritional information um exercise information because i've yeah it's kind of a, f- a fine line really t- between enjoying your body and enjoying food and life and fashion i love fashion um mm. but you can let those things own you and you can let the idea of looking perfect own your attitude towards your body mm-hmm. whereas it'd be great to i'm still in the process of re-educating myself but this campaign be real is about re-educating the whole uk about placing health before appearance yeah and that's you're going to be beautiful if you're having a life that you love and if you're looking after your body you're gonna just radiate fun and joy and that's mm-hmm. beautiful so yeah and then um the other charities that i work with and organizations um is uh, mind the health mental health charity which i always recommend as somewhere that people can go to get further information about mental health problems mm-hmm. um and beat the uh eating disorder charity um in, based in the uk um they do some fantastic work and um then recently i've also um hooked up with girl guiding because i used to be a brownie um do you know what brownies yeah like as in a girl scout yeah yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um they've asked me to be an ambassador which was brilliant um because uh, it's just such a fun thing to do what, what's girl guiding is it is it yeah girl so scouts girl guiding is like the umbrella organization that has um uh rainbows which is for like i think it's really really young kids uh-huh. then brownies which i think is seven to 11 years old and then uh girl guides which is something like 12 to 16 or 17 and then they've got the older ones up to 25 that um i think they're called the senior section which does sound a little bit like oaps but it's not um and yeah it's just this um it's another place for girls to go to learn life skills and have fun and have a different social group for uh, as opposed to school mm-hmm. um, which can be really vital because at school you can have a certain identity and people could bully you or people can see you in a certain light and if you don't have another social circle to show you that you can be somebody that you really want to be mm-hmm. with different people then that's I think it's a vital resource as well um, and then there's also a thing called the Great Initiative which is a very grand title um, and they are a social enterprise that um, charity that um, they they have a, an offshoot thing with um, great men um, and they go into schools uh, in London and the South East to um, talk to boys and do workshop with boys about what it means to be a man. Um, so they talk about homophobia, about uh, mental health, about um, uh, consent and um, kind of body image and all this stuff. And they, I think that's amazing. That's kind of ground level work to get in there and help boys redefine for themselves what they want to, what masculinity means. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are some new charities that I'm trying to promote the work of as well. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Wow. Do you, do you so, have charities that you, you support? Or um, well, I, w- with running the marathon, I uh, raise money and Oh, did you support. run a marathon? Yeah. I oh, did I you? Don't, I, don't know, I don't know if you've heard about it, but uh, I kind of yeah. ran a marathon. <laughs> um, but with doing that, I uh, raise money for Rise, which is a, uh, a local charity based in the Sussex area that helps... Um, 
that helps support people who've been through domestic abuse situations. So I just recently came off of doing like a huge campaign for them. And I think I'm going to call them again. Benefit Cosmetics was supposed to give is is going to give me a sponsorship for running the marathon. And uh, yeah, but I've done stuff with them. Um, that's pretty much it of late. I haven't done a lot of charity work recently. But there's loads. Of, that's one of the things I like about doing comedy is that you can, you can. There's always these um, charity galas that you can learn about these charities and what mm-hmm. they do, and you can contribute in a really real, real way doing something that you love doing. Yeah. Like to perform at a charity gig for me is one of the most fun. I mean, I know I'm meant to be getting doing paid paid gigs, but charity gigs are great because you're doing something you love. Yeah. You're doing it for a cause that you're hopefully passionate about, and you're just helping helping people which is just brilliant well i know because i have never done fundraising for like an event like like a marathon uh before and i was like oh i don't know about this it's it's like raising money it's gonna be hard and then as i started to do it first of all a, a lot of people gave and it was awesome but it's i was like oh this is why charities ask people like instead of saying yeah you can we'll give you a race number if you give us 500 pounds, like for the marathon, I, I, I was asked to raise 500 pounds. And the reason why they ask you to raise 500 pounds and then st- instead of asking you to give them 100 pounds is because then you spread awareness about what they're doing. Yeah. So instead of just me being like, here, yeah, I think what you're doing is great. Now 34 other people know about Rise yeah. because I – because I ran a charity and I asked them for money and they gave me the money and that's how it works. We um the so the shows that I do now because because I got so many people coming up to me as you mentioned earlier saying after a show, um either I know I am somebody with a mental health problem or I know somebody who's struggling or I don't know how to help them. Mm-hmm. And I have leaflets from Beat and Mind that I I asked them look I need to direct these people I need to give them further resources to help them. Mm-hmm. Um and I've got these leaflets and these info cards that I can hand out to people which is great for me because you know especially at Edinburgh Fringe when people are coming to see a show they want to hang out afterwards you've got to rush off and do like a million other things yeah. interviews and and other PR stuff and work and um so to be able to say look i'm totally with you i really want to listen to you um here's my email just email me but i don't have the answers i'm still struggling with my own crap but here's some leaflets mm-hmm. and here's a number of a helpline that you can call and there's a charity that does amazing work in the area that you're talking about um and yet in, at christmas time i did this new thing last christmas which i'm going to do now from now on is i asked all the people i wanted to give gifts to and that i said i'm, I'm not going to give you a present this year but i'm going to donate a set amount of money to whatever charity you you tell me to and i found out about loads of different charities that i never knew existed through that act and mm-hmm. it wasn't like it wasn't a load i don't have a lot of money but it was it was more than i would have like it's it was cheaper than i would have spent on say some tat that not they're not going to want yeah. anyway me and my siblings do that instead of giving each other gifts anymore we uh each give a certain amount of money to a charity that's i i felt so good about it yeah. and not smug <laughs> but like really it's just it makes so much sense well I, especially at at this age for me it's like i know what i want i know what size i wear yeah i rather just buy it yeah then like i don't know about you but i've gotten gifts from my siblings too i love to death but i'm like really? this is what you thought yeah I, I, these earrings yeah you shouldn't have really you yeah, know absolutely and yeah. you feel awkward enough anyway and it's like and you're looking at it it's, it's not like that it's a cheap thing it's probably yeah. cost them quite a lot of money yeah like do you know what maybe all of that money could have gone to this charity yeah. they do amazing work yeah yeah oh that's great well we're pretty much done this has been this has been lovely and easy it's and been wonderful. really good to speak um, to you how how do people find you what projects do you have coming up tell me all those things thank you so much for pro- pro- prompting me to say that i probably could have wedged that in earlier um well yeah i'd love people to get in touch um so i've got a website which is julietburton.co.uk uh, which is j-u-l-i-e-t-t-e b-u-r-t-o-n I'm at Juliet Burton on Twitter. I love tweets. Love people tweeting me because uh, it can be a little bit lonely touring around and mm-hmm. Twitter fa- fans are just awesome. My YouTube channel is The Juliet Burton and um, I'm on Facebook, Juliet Burton Writer Performer. And um, I'd love to hear from people because got the loveliest people listening out there. Yeah. 
Let's hope so. <laughs> um, great. Awesome. And your pe- you gave a lot of advice, but your starter piece of advice was just be nice. Yeah. And if anyone wants to come to see me to, at uh, London Leicester Square Theatre in, in June or at uh, the Comedia in Brighton in May. Oh, yeah. Then uh, that would be nice as yeah, well. Yeah, that would be nice. So uh, June, the Leicester Square Theatre. At yeah. what day in June? Uh, 17th and 18th. 17th and 18th of June. And then May, Comedia. 28th of May. 28th of May. I mean... Come on, guys. Be nice. I heard that somebody uh, performed uh, ran a ran a marath- marathon in Brighton. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that too. I, I, it's I don't ever need to go back to Brighton again. But maybe Leicester Square. Awesome. Maybe maybe <laughs> there. All right. Cool. Thank you so much Thank for coming, Julia. Thank you for And that is it. That is this episode of Namaste Bitches. Thank you so much for listening. Please check out Juliet Burton online at julietburton.co.uk uk tweet at her like she said she loves tweets so get at her at juliette burton i'm abigailia shaman you can follow me on twitter at abigailia i have a website it's almost done guys uh it's at abigailia.com my show dates are up if you do want to check out that part of it and the rest of it is a little it's weird looking right now but you can check out my show dates there uh thank you so much and namaste